Hey, healthy runners, do your shins hurt whenever you start to run consistently again or whenever you start a marathon training cycle? Are you a runner who's been frustrated in the past that whenever you try to increase your speed or increase your distance, you just get injured, frustrated, and you're not able to run? You may have started reading about shin splints and thought you should just ice, rest, so basically stop running and stop like doing what we love, and then take some Advil. All of this sounds great. You're going to see this common information out there, but the problem is going to be when you start running again and building up those long runs, that same pain just comes back, and now you're just trying to run through it because you don't want to stop again. So in the latest Spark Healthy Runner free resource, I share with you the specific strategies to get back to running without shin pain and keep it from coming back. The questions that I answer in this resource is what are shin splints? Why do runners get shin splints? What are the symptoms of shin splints? Is there treatment for shin splints? What are the specific actionable strategies to treat shin splints? And then how do you prevent shin splints from happening in the first place? So these have been the tried, true, and tested strategies that have kept all of the runners I work with on a one-on-one basis running during their recovery and then finally saying goodbye to shin pain forever. Now, this free resource is an ebook I put together for you with videos of the specific actionable strategies to actually get it better. You can get that resource within the show notes below. So click that link, get your resource. And this podcast interview was actually one that I did on the Marathon for Beginners podcast with my friend Harrison Crum. He wanted to ask me questions about shin splints. So I went on his show. And because a lot of beginner runners, if you're a beginner out there, This is a common injury that you most likely have felt at some point in your running journey, and I wanted to help you be able to start running and continue running without shin pain. So we kind of flip roles for this episode, and if you like this episode, make sure you check out Harrison's show as well, Marathon Training for Beginners podcast, or check out the at Crummy Marathoners Instagram page. Um, Harrison and Mo, they run a great Instagram page, and they have a great podcast as well, and So go support their podcast. Um, Very, very good people. And I hope this episode really helps you out. And if you're looking for more like one-on-one help and you're like, I am finally like done with these shin splints, um, reach out to me and let's see if it's a good fit for us to work together virtually to help you get over these shin splints so you can actually crush a goal race of yours. Without further ado, let's get into this episode on how to conquer shin splints. Hey, healthy runners. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Oh my goodness. I am so excited for this fall. I'm excited for live races coming back. Hopefully you are as well. And my question to you is, are you looking to regain your running fitness back and get back in shape so you can feel good about yourself again? Or you might even have aspirations for hitting a personal best for your fall half marathon or your marathon. Or you might be looking to just actually do a race in a healthy way and actually not get injured with getting shin splints or having plantar fasciitis or having knee pain and be able to actually cross that finish line without limping across it. So I'm super excited to announce that our widely popular team, Healthy Runner, 
Half marathon and marathon training programs will begin to get you to crush your fall race. What will you get with this program? You're going to get your own run coach. You're going to get the community support of our whole team of run coaches. And you're going to get a run plan that is right and suited for your needs, as well as our widely popular Healthy Runner Strength Program. This Healthy Runner Strength Program has all of the principles that we've talked about in this podcast, strengthening all your specific running muscles, providing you the training. We take out all the guesswork so you don't need to just do random exercises that you've seen in different places. We provide you the structure, the accountability, the support to actually feel stronger in your runs so your runs feel easier and you get faster. And most importantly, you stay healthy along the way. So if you want to learn more about our new Team Healthy Runner training program for the fall 2021, Click the link in the show notes below to learn more. And if you're wondering if this is a good fit for you, reach out to me. Shoot me a DM in Instagram. Hit me up on Facebook Messenger or just shoot me an email, Dwayne at sparkyourtraining.com. I hope to see you joining our team and I hope to help take your running to the next level. Now, without further ado, let's get into this episode. All right, everybody. As they say, we saved the best for last this isn't the best injury, but you know the best content, shin splints. I know that you felt this if you're a beginner runner. I've got Dwayne Scotty with me again. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Hey, Harrison, what is going on? I am excited to talk everything about shin splints. Shin splints. Uh, man, the plague of the beginner runner. I can't tell you how many beginner runners I talk to who the very first thing that they experience, the first running injury that they get that, that honestly keeps them from running at all is shin splints. And so I want to dive pretty deep into this today. What are shin splints? Why are early runners getting them? Why are runners, you know, who've been running for one, two, three, four years and, and beyond not getting shin splints? Maybe they do. I don't know. I could be wrong. But let's talk all about it. Where does this come from and how do we make it better? Yeah. So what is shin splints is really simply pain on the shin bone. So your shin bone is called your tibia. And the medical term for this is called medial tibial stress syndrome. And it's really a repetitive stress on the shin bone and the connective tissue that attaches the muscle to the bone. And that's really what it is that you're feeling if your shins are hurting you when you're running. And the reason that you wind up getting this is simply a spike in training load. So it's essentially doing too much too soon. And that is why it is so common in new runners and at the start of a specific, let's say, marathon training program. It's because you've suddenly increased your duration, frequency, and intensity of running. So whether it's mileage, the number of days you're running, and the speed at which you're running. And, you know, the other reasons why many runners can get this condition is if you do actually have flatter feet. So we talked in our second episode together, Harrison, when we talked about runner's knee, we talked about overpronation. So those who overpronate more will have a tendency to get this condition. But then also those that have high arches um, where they really don't dissipate a whole lot of force because their foot is so rigid, um, they can also suffer from this as well. Because when we run, we actually have two times our body weight that is smacking, you know, from the ground up through your foot. And the next bone it goes to is your shin bone. So that's where you can get this stress um, 
The other two reasons runners will get shin splints is if you run on uneven terrain, such as trails, or you're running a lot of hills, or you're really running on hard surfaces, such as concrete. So if you're doing a lot of sidewalk running, that can also be a causative factor. And then the last thing I want to mention, Harrison, is really errors in your training form or technique. And specifically, the most common thing I see a lot in many of my runners and is supported within the literature on running out there in the research is overstriding. So overstriding is where your foot, when you land, is out in front of your knee. And that's like putting the parking brake on your leg and all the way up the chain every step you take. So that causes a lot of force to go up through that shin bone. So that's really what shin splints are. That's why we get it. It's basically doing too much too soon. And we all love jumping into training programs. And we love saying, hey, I'm going to set a goal this year of running a marathon. And I know many of you listening to this right now, you have set that goal. But the thing that I want to emphasize is we need to do it the right way um, so we can avoid these uh, shin splints that we get. Well, there's so much to unpack here. You've, you've talked about a lot of causes and we could kind of dive into those, but I think the analogies that you that you make are just so good. You know, you talk about hitting that parking brake every time you're overstriding and it makes a lot of sense. You're killing a lot of momentum. So the easy fix for that, if I'm not mistaken, is to shorten that stride, right? To increase your cadence, wouldn't you say? Indeed, yes, is taking shorter, quicker steps. Absolutely. Increasing your cadence is the one variable that you can change that is going to correct overstriding. And that's been shown in the research as well. Yeah. And then when you talk about pronation or supponation, I don't even know if I said that word right. Um, a lot of that can can have to do with what we talked about in the previous episode. Some of it could come down to shoes. It could come down to strength in your hips. Am I right? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Definitely shoes as well as like inserts. And then yes, you're right strengthening those anti-pronation muscles, which are uh, your hip rotators. Gotcha. Now, I've heard that shin splints can come in kind of two forms. You've got like the inside of your shin bone and the outside of your shin bone. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you can get on the outside of the shin bone. Um, That is sometimes more in the acute phase. The more common scenario is where you get tenderness, soreness, and pain along the inner side of the shin bone. And sometimes you might get some mild swelling in the lower leg as well. At first, the pain might actually stop you from exercising and or running. And then eventually the pain becomes so bad that, you know, it might progress. And, you know, the thing that we really want to highlight here is left untreated. This could eventually turn to something um, that you don't want to get. And that is a stress reaction or stress fracture. So unlike the previous two episodes that we really talked about iliotibial band syndrome and runner's knee will not lead to any surgery or will not lead you to having to stop running at all, um, this, if left untreated, unfortunately will lead you to stop running if you wind up suffering a stress fracture. Is there any kind of surgery for stress fractures or is it strictly just like like breaking a bone, like putting a cast on, you just kind of let it be for a while? Yeah. So there's no specific um, surgical procedure for a stress fracture. The thing is, if you have a stress fracture that's undiagnosed for many years, unfortunately, that leads to some of like the gruesome fractures of bones. And you can YouTube videos, like you'll see people, runners on like track and field that literally are running and they just snap their bone. Oof. 
Um, that's yeah, no. And we've seen some of that in basketball too, Harrison, where you've seen some compound fractures where the bone is outside of the skin. Um, usually that occurs when someone had a long standing, maybe undiagnosed stress fracture that, you know, the bone became so weak and then they do that significant athletic activity and then it just snaps. Um, so obviously in that case, when you have a fracture fracture, then yes, you're getting hardware, you're getting a plate, you're getting screws. Yeah to correct that. But for a stress fracture, no, it's really um, decreasing the load and that's the treatment. But unfortunately, that does require you to not run for at least a period of six to eight weeks, um, depending upon how severe. You know, there are some other, you know, procedures out there where they do some injections into bones and things that are a little bit more invasive that you may choose to get um, for that type of scenario. But for most of your listeners out there, um, we will talk about, you know, making sure it's not a stress fracture, but for the shin splints where it is this medial tibial stress syndrome, this will get better. And a lot of it that we're going to talk about is really adjusting some of your training. Okay. Gotcha. But I do want to point out that most people, like maybe, would you say 99% of people listening to this, it's not like one of those crazy stress fractures you were talking about where you can snap your bone. So I don't want to freak anybody out. You know, in fact, for most people, it's probably not even a stress fracture. It's probably just shin splints, but how can you tell the difference between the two? Correct. Yeah. No, thank you for clarifying that. Cause I probably just scared many people who were like, just stopped running in their tracks and was like, I don't want to snap my bone. Right. So yes, that will not be you. Um, the key to ruling out a stress fracture is a stress fracture is more local pain, so it's pinpoint specific. It's right on your shin. Like you can literally put your finger on it. Um, that is usually going to be more sharper pain. You may, you know, have like a bony nodule right there. And that's going to be the difference where the stress fracture is usually going to be more sharper pain and it's not going to really go away. Whereas you know, shin splints or medial tibial stress syndrome is more soreness throughout the whole inside part of your shin bone. And it doesn't hurt when you're running, but then you run a little bit more and it just hurts the more that you do run. And then it's sore after, but it goes away. Whereas that stress fracture, you know, it won't and it it progresses. But those are some of the key um, features is that it is really more localized, sharper pain. Um, in that area. Gotcha. No, that's perfect. And, and I've actually used that advice that I've either read or heard from someone. I've got another friend who's a physical therapist and he, and he has also said the same thing about if you can point to it. In fact, Mo just the other day was like, ah, do I have a stress fracture? Do I have shin splints? And we were able to kind of figure that out because it was going up and down her shin rather than like that one spot. So that's very, very helpful information. So let's, let's talk about treating it because you know, yeah, this is all great and all. You're telling me I have shin splints, but you know, what can I do? And and you said adjust your training plan. So let's jump into all of that. Yeah. So let's talk about what we do for treatment. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about is actually probably going to be new information for many of you out there. Um, this actually has been some emerging research and that I wanted to share with your listeners. Um, And we're going to actually wind up putting the link to this in the PDF that you can grab all about shin splints. Um, This is from the British Journal of Sports Medicine, actually just released in 2020. And it really looks at 
um, viewing injuries in a little different perspective than what you may have heard about, which might have been kind of RICE or PRICE acronym, where you would protect it, rest it, ice it, compress it, elevate it. Um, what some of the newer research is showing that, let's say, I'm going to break this treatment into two phases, Harrison, the acute phase, which again, is going to be a couple of days after your start of having shin pain. Um, so let's say within a week time period, instead of just protecting, icing, resting, elevating, compressing, um, they like to use the acronym of PEACE, which is protection. So that would be avoiding the activities and movements that increase pain during the first few days. So if this was really irritable, then yes, maybe not running for a couple of days actually in this acute phase. And then elevating the injured limb higher than heart level, especially if there's some swelling. So we do know if you lie on your back, you prop your foot up on like the side of your sofa where your foot and your tibia is higher than heart level, that could be helpful. So the A is actually to avoid anti-inflammatories. And that might be a little bit more um, not what you were thinking. If you had an acute injury, um, you might be used to taking ibuprofen, Motrin, or Aleve to kind of decrease some inflammation. Um, there is some you know, newer research out there that shows anti-inflammatories might actually reduce your body's effectiveness for tissue healing, and especially if the doses are too high. So if you're used to popping a couple of uh, pills and you know, calming down your pain response and thinking it's going to help with the healing, I would advocate that it might not help in this medial tibial stress syndrome. But more importantly, if for some reason you do actually do have a bone injury and it's an actual stress fracture, we do know that anti-inflammatories actually impair bone healing. So in if you have pain on the inside of your shin, I would definitely recommend that you avoid anti-inflammatories. You may choose to ice or to not ice. There are some controversial thoughts on that out there, um, but that might be something to do as well. Uh, one thing, Harrison, that is really helpful that I find in a lot of my runners is the C in peace, which is compression. And this is most easily you know, done with compression uh, socks. Us runners love our compression socks. I know I love mine. I've actually never um, tried them. Yeah. Yeah. I love them, especially after a long run. I'm surprised with your marathon training. Honestly, you haven't tried on like a long, hot, humid run. I don't know if you have humidity out, out there in Arizona. Not a ton. It's it's that dry heat, as everybody says. But no, maybe I should start getting some uh, compression socks and putting those on. Yeah. Those can be very effective for like those long runs, man, when you get up to 18, 20 miles. Um, and especially if you feel like your lower legs swell up a little bit, I know out here on the East coast that happens in the summertime for a lot of us runners. And if you can elevate above heart level after those long runs and put on some compression socks, that will help aid in some of that recovery after those long runs for sure. But they can also be a, helpful for those that have shin splints, um, or taping. So you can, you know, try some kinesio taping, kinesiology taping. Uh, rock tape in this area to help reduce some of the swelling. And then the E is for education. So knowing your body best, avoiding unnecessary passive treatments, um, and kind of let nature play its role a little bit. Because if it is just truly medial tibial stress syndrome, it will get better and you need to allow your body to heal as you go. So that is the kind of acronym for that acute phase is kind of PEACE. Uh, just kind of reiterating that protection, elevation, avoiding anti-inflammatories, 
compression and education. And then the key to actually getting this better in the long run. So for those that have had this for weeks, for months, maybe you've been having some shin pain is a matter of kind of strengthening the muscles that are actually in your lower leg area. So that's adding load to those muscles to stimulate some of that collagen formation to allow that healing process to occur. The rest of the acronym is they basically use the acronym of love. So L is for load, O is for optimism, knowing that you know you will recover and you will get better. Um, you being optimistic about your recovery is going to help with your confidence and keeping a positive mindset. V is for vascularization. So choosing pain-free cardiovascular activities. So when we say pain-free, we're maybe less than a three out of 10. So the cardiovascular activities might or will improve blood flow to the area to help those tissues repair. So this may include running for most of you where you need to modify your running, but as long as it's less than that three out of 10 pain, the blood flow is better than you actually not doing anything at all, or you might consider doing some cycling or doing some swimming, which might help in that area and allow those tissues to heal. And the E is for exercise. So actually restoring mobility, strength, proprioception, and balance in that area. Those are the things that are going to really be most helpful for you uh, moving forward. Wow. Great knowledge that you've dropped on us here uh, when it comes to shin splints. What about calf strengthening? Does that help at all? Absolutely. So when we talk about exercises, Harrison, the biggest exercises that you really want to focus on to recover from shin splints is strengthening your calf muscles, like you mentioned, especially the deeper calf muscle, which is your soleus muscle, because that muscle actually connects to the fascia on the inside part of your shin bone. So for those listeners that don't know how to isolate out the soleus muscle, it's essentially doing calf raises with your knee in a bent position. So you can simply do this sitting down. And if you go to the gym, you might've seen a calf machine where you're sitting and the pad is on the top of your thighs. And that would be strengthening your soleus muscle. You can also do this in standing where you're standing on one leg and I'll have this in the PDF that you can grab for free on kind of overcoming shin pain and runners and shin splints. And how we do this is standing and you slightly bend your knee. And then you're doing a calf raise with your knee slightly bent. So one leg is off the ground, the other leg's on the ground. You bend the knee of the leg on the ground and you slightly raise? Exactly. So the, the leg that is on the ground is actually rising up. It's a heel raise. So you're rising up on the ball of your toe, but that knee that is standing is slightly bent and you maintain that angle of your knee throughout the exercise. Gotcha. So that sounds like something that's totally visual, which you'll want to go check out this PDF to make sure that you really get the full picture here. Hey, Healthy Runners. This episode that you are listening to right now is sponsored by our friends over at UCAN Nutrition. And we all love their products. They're Patented super starch, which delivers that steady, long-lasting energy without the spike and then the crash, and their new UCAN Energy Edge 
gel that you can take with you during your runs. But today, I needed to share this with you because it's summer, it's hot, we're getting sweaty out there, and we are losing a lot of electrolytes. So how do I replenish my electrolytes during my long, sweaty runs? Is with UCAN's Hydrate product. I love this product. I've been using it for 10 years now. It provides you the electrolytes to stay hydrated without the sugar so you get that like spike and then a crash in your energy levels. So since you are a part of our Healthy Runner community, you will always get 20% off all of your orders at youcan.co. Just use code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order. Go ahead and give UCAN's Hydrate a try for your next long sweaty run and trust me, you won't regret it. Now let's get back into this episode. So any other types of strength training that should be done? I know we've touched a little bit on, um, like on the last couple of episodes, strengthening those hips, those glutes, but anything else that we should be doing to fix this? Definitely those hip exercises that we talked about in the previous two episodes. So the abductors, the external rotators, remember those are your anti-pronation muscles. So if you do have flatter arches and you do pronate a lot when you run, then strengthening those muscles are going to help take stress off of the muscles in your shin area. And then the other muscle that is located deep in that shin area is called your posterior tibialis muscle. And there's a tendon there. And a lot of times you can get tendonitis of this muscle that mimics this medial tibial stress syndrome. So the more you can strengthen that muscle, that will help take off some of the load as well. So I will definitely link in how to strengthen that muscle and isolate it out. It's a pretty simple exercise that you cross your leg over the other leg and you basically bring your foot up with the resistance of a band and then you slowly lower your foot down to the floor. That's a good muscle to help strengthen that inner lower leg area and the inside part of your ankle. Got it. Also sounds like a very visual type of exercise. So looking forward to seeing that one as well. When it comes to altering your training plan, you've mentioned, you know, you want to keep some load on there because that's going to continue to strengthen those muscles, but you do want to reduce the, the, maybe the amount of miles or maybe the speed work that you're doing. Is there, um, kind of a rule of thumb? Like I know a lot of people will do the walk run method. They're trying to get through shin splints, but like how much should you be cutting down your mileage? Great question, Harrison, because it really depends upon you know how long you've been having this, um, how much pain are you in. I, I like that you bring up the walk-run method. That could be a very effective way to allow your body to adapt to the demands of running. I would also recommend that you wind up you know, having someone analyze your movement. And sometimes a formal video analysis by like a running expert can be helpful especially if you're overstriding. So if you can fix uh, some of those technique flaws that we talked about before and work on taking just short, quick steps, and there's a you know little bit of debate, you don't have to have 180 steps per minute. So don't worry about the number and really getting that cadence down. But if you can just think about when you're out there hitting the pavement, just taking some short, quicker steps, um, and lighter steps. So you're not putting out that parking brake every single step that you take. That can be very helpful at decreasing the stress and the load to the actual bone and the soft tissues that connect to the bone. Also, you know, considering your running surface and can you run on a softer surface, especially if you are running on a lot of sidewalks. Those are things that can be helpful. 
And if you guys are just, you know, starting running, like running is an amazing, amazing form of exercise. And it's an amazing form of honestly mental clarity, right? That's why I love running. And I know so many of you have goals, but sometimes we don't know everything about training. And I find that a lot of the training plans that people will start using wind up getting shin splints um, that are tied to specific watches or specific apps out there are super aggressive, honestly, for a novice runner. And if you're just starting out, a lot of those plans out there can be pretty aggressive that your body won't be able to tolerate. Um, unless you are like in tip-top condition, you've been strength training for many, many years, and you have this foundational level of strength. And that's why it's so important to you know, have a foundation level of strength and strengthen your running specific muscles, but then also fixing any training errors because it really is the training errors and ramping up too quickly that causes shin splints. Because usually, like you mentioned, Harrison, almost every runner gets this in the beginning that they start out with, but it eventually goes away and it will go away when your body adapts. You have to allow it to adapt. So for those that are struggling with this and they keep getting it, reach out to a good running coach who can actually you know, give you a custom plan that allows your body to be able to adapt to the demands of running. But in general, what I would say is if you're increasing your mileage more than 10% per week, then you're just definitely opening yourself up to uh, disaster. And unfortunately, you're going to suffer you know, shin splints or maybe runner's knee that we talked about before. And then you're going to say to yourself, well, maybe I'm not meant to be a runner and I knew I wasn't a runner and I don't have a runner's body. And, you know, this is a ridiculous goal for me. And you'd stop running. And I would hate for you to do that because honestly, my motto, Harrison, is just like uh, Gusto would say, anyone can cook. You know what movie reference that is, by the way? No. <laughs> Oh man, you don't. So I guess your kids haven't uh, seen that at all, but Ratatouille. Oh, okay. You know, that's that? one of the few <laughs> Disney movies I haven't seen. Oh man, great movie. You're definitely gonna have to check that out. But just like uh, anyone can cook, I believe anyone can run. The problem that people run into is they get injured because we're honestly not patient people as being humans and we do too much too soon and we get a goal in our head and we're like, I'm super motivated. I'm gonna run my first marathon in 2021, right? I'm gonna like spark back from COVID. And Unfortunately, that might not be the best thing based upon your level of fitness, right? And we do too much too soon. So allow your body to adapt. I highly, highly recommend take some small wins when you start running with, you know, running a 5K, running a 10K, then running a half marathon. Then when you complete a half marathon, you know, tackle the full. So just like Mo was doing, right? So Mo ran her first half marathon and now she's training for her full marathon. That's what I highly recommend that all runners should do. I'm not a huge fan of just jumping right into like couch two marathon. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's why this is marathon training for beginners. You learn what not to do. But the good news is, you know, we've learned what not to do with me. So then we do all the right things for Mo. Like she's basically injury free. which is amazing. Like she'll get sick every once in a while, but like, I don't think she's had runner's knee IT, but none of the things that we've talked about. So, um, I totally get what you're saying that, that kind of ease into it. And, uh, guys, there's no shame whatsoever to, to doing that. In fact, it's, it's encouraged as Dwayne said, and there's no special trophy for 
you know, going straight to the marathon, like the way that I did. I mean, like you don't have to do it that way. In fact, you know, no one's going to look at you any different if, if you ease your way into it. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. And there's a proper way like Harrison, you know, I have kind of a five tips to run strong and healthy or my spark blueprint. And that's really the foundational framework of what I do and how I help runners and what I kind of preach on the Healthy Runner podcast and the Healthy Runner Facebook group. And the fifth tip is really training smart with proper progression and not overdoing it. And if you can do that, honestly, you will correct, you know, pretty much 95% of the common running aches and pains that runners will face. So I can't underscore the importance of that. That was why I became a run coach because I needed to learn more about the training aspect of running because just as a physical therapist, I knew the physical stuff and I can help in that, that way and decrease pain. But my runners kept going back out there and training with these flaws and coming back to me because they were in pain again. So once I started learning the training aspect and now I help runners with training plans, now you know they fix their pain and get rid of their pain for good. So it is so, so important. Um, and again, I will give you guys that spark blueprint, kind of get all of, you know, the five, you know, tips and kind of to be a healthy runner, honestly. And as beginners, we don't know everything. And like Harrison said, I had all these injuries myself and we're just trying to help you guys. We're trying to fast track your process right. so you don't wind up having those injuries. So again, if you just go to like programs.sparkyourtraining.com and we'll link that you will find all of the free eBooks as well as the Spark Blueprint and start implementing these things. And it, it's all a matter of mindset of training in order to run as opposed to only running as a form of your training. Well, there you have it, everyone. Thanks again, Dwayne, for joining us. Everyone go subscribe to the Healthy Runner podcast. You can join his Healthy Runner Facebook group. You can also join our Facebook group, uh, Marathon Training for Beginners. You can also, of course, subscribe to our podcast as you're listening to right now. And uh, there's going to be a lot of information in the show notes. So check that out so you can get links to all of the goodies that Dwayne's talked about. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Dwayne, you're the man. Thank you for joining. We really, really appreciate your time. Harrison, I just want to say thank you to you and Mo, because if you guys didn't have your podcast, um, so many beginner runners would feel like they were left in the dark. So I love what you are doing for our running community. I think it is amazing. Um, what you are doing and kind of making information in easily digestible ways for the new runner out there. So, so many more runners are going to actually stick with it and not stop running and saying, I'm not a runner. So honestly, thank you to you guys. And this is always fun chatting. So thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it, Harrison. Absolutely. There'll be plenty more in the future. I can see it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast. Can I please ask you for a couple of favors? Can you subscribe to The Sucker wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever so you never miss another episode? You'll be notified when a new episode drops every Thursday. Can you also please leave me a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts? What I want you to do is to tell them how awesome you are as a runner and then tell them what you have liked most about the show. I love to hear what you have to say. I read all of them and it means a lot to me. If you haven't seen the video version of this podcast, then head over to youtube.com forward slash spark your training and you can see the video version 
as well as our full video library of exercises that are specific to your running on the Spark Your Training YouTube channel. Also, if you like the content in this podcast, then you will like the community even better. Head over to our Healthy Runner free Facebook group so you can get all the bonus content, blog articles, and get your questions answered by myself and our team of Healthy Runner coaches. The fifth and final thing I want you to do is that you can help this podcast out by taking a screenshot wherever you're listening, whatever episode, and put it in your stories on Instagram and tag me. That is at SparkYourTraining. If you do this, I'll give you a shout out and repost it, sharing your running wins while listening to the podcast. More importantly, we'll be able to share this information with a lot more runners because that is the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of as many runners as possible to help them stay healthy so they can stay on the road doing what they love. So take a screenshot, share it on Instagram stories, and tag me in it. You can also find out how I help runners as well as our brand new Healthy Runner Strength Program by visiting our website, sparkyourtraining.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I just love our Healthy Runner family. And remember, guys, let's stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Until next time.